In order to fully understand the forces that go into the causation of trauma, we'll need to do a bit of study in physics. Now, don't get too worried. We won't go very deep, but understanding the science behind the kinematics of trauma, which is defined as the division of physics that studies the motion and energy exchange between objects that collide with each other, will help you as paramedics to have a better grasp on both the seen as well as the unseen trauma that occurs. Your book describes inertia as a two-part law. It is stated as a body in motion will tend to remain in motion unless something else acts upon it to slow it down. The reverse is true as well. If a body is at rest, it'll tend to stay at rest unless there's an outside force that forces it to move. This law is also known as Newton's first law. Think of it this way. If a bullet is fired from a gun, it'll continue to move in a straight line until it impacts something or gravity begins to overcome its movement. At that time, it'll either stop or change directions. Energy is the ability to work. Work, in its simplest form, is considered the ability for movement. Since the law of energy conservation states that energy cannot be created or destroyed, but only changed from one form to another, we consider that energy is simply transferred from one object to another. This is seen in the situation of when an auto impacts a tree. The energy from the auto is transferred into the tree, which is then transferred into the ground. Kinetic energy, or the energy of an object, any object for that matter, in motion is dependent upon its weight and speed. While you don't need to use the formula outlined in the book to determine kinetic energy, you must keep in mind that the speed of an object has an exponential effect on the amount of energy that is available. This speed is much more influential than that of its weight. By way of example, let's look at a one-ton vehicle traveling on the interstate. The amount of kinetic energy that is available with the movement of that car while traveling at 55 miles per hour is 3 million joules. However, if the speed of that same vehicle increases only by 15 miles per hour, the amount of kinetic energy increases to almost 5 million joules. When they say speed kills, they really mean it. Understanding the anatomy of the body, coupled with a basic grasp of kinetic energy, you can begin to develop a type of sixth sense that enables you to begin to predict with varying degrees of certainty potential areas of injury that you may not be able to detect until they get to the ER and x-rays or ultrasounds are performed. This is called the index of suspicion and will become much more accurate the more experienced that you become. When a projectile such as a knife or bullet strikes the body, its kinetic energy is transferred from the projectile to the body. Keep in mind that it is the speed of the object that determines the amount of energy available to exchange to a much greater deal than does its weight. If a bullet enters the body and remains there, all the kinetic energy will be transferred to the body. If it passes through, although damage may still be severe, the amount of energy transferred will be less. Let's take a look at the path of a bullet and, and why it's important for you as a paramedic to keep in mind that all objects that penetrate the body will cause damage. This is regardless of whether it's a bullet or a knife. This damage comes about because of the stretching and crushing of tissue along a projectile's path. As a bullet enters the body, some of its kinetic energy is exchanged by deforming the entry point and the production of shock waves that precede it. As the bullet enters the body, it begins to cause an opening along its path that is called cavitation. The denser the tissue that the bullet enters, the greater the cavitation. For example, there would be a greater tendency for cavitation to occur in the liver or spleen than would be in the lung or the bowel, although both of these areas 
could sustain severe injuries. Another aspect of cavitation is the body's ability to snap back to its original shape and position. Permanent cavitation is caused when the projectile literally destroys the tissue through which it is passing. Temporary cavitation happens as the tissue is initially stretched and compressed and then regains its original shape. As the bullet enters the body, its speed on the front end is slowed and then it's compressed by the weight of the bullet from behind. This causes the bullet to expand or mushroom, increasing the diameter of the bullet as well as its profile. Depending upon the bullet used, it may break off into pieces. This results in greater injury because the total surface area of the bullet in pieces is greater than if the bullet remains intact. The bullet passes through anything in its path, you may begin to tumble. Because of this motion, the surface area of the bullet may be greater as it enters the body even if it remains intact. If the bullet strikes body armor, the greater part of the kinetic energy is absorbed, but the remaining force may cause blunt force trauma to the person hit. This can result in contusions to the heart and lungs. Handguns are considered medium-velocity weapons that are most deadly at close range. Depending upon the caliber and the type of ammunition used with it, the damage that it causes may be limited. The degree of damage is usually determined by the organ systems that are directly impacted by the path of the bullet, as well as the degree of cavitation used. The rifle can fire a much heavier projectile with a greater amount of kinetic energy. Rifles often use military-grade ammunition and are designed not to expand once fired. These injuries sustained from rifle fire are often very severe. Shotguns are considered low-velocity weapons that are effective at short range. Shotguns normally fire multiple pellets, but it may also fire solid slugs. If fired at a very close range, the wadding used to propel the pellets may enter the body, increasing the likelihood of damage as well as infection. Shotguns can cause severe and extensive organ and tissue damage that is like that caused by a rifle. Knives and arrows are considered low-velocity projectiles and as such are unable to cause cavitation such as seen with higher-velocity projectiles like bullets. The damage is usually limited to direct contact with the blade or the arrow. Gunshot wounds to the head are extremely severe because of the amount of tissue damage that is destroyed as well as extreme bleeding that affects the airway. This can be made much worse because of the loss of the integrity of the face leading to airway problems. High-velocity wounds caused by projectiles from rifles destroy parts of the skull as well as the brain. Gunshot wounds are disruptive to the pulmonary as well as the vascular system. If lungs are affected, a tension pneumothorax may result. This will result in air being displaced from the lungs and eventually compressing the remaining lung and heart, resulting in decreased oxygenation as well as decreased cardiac output. If the vascular system is impacted, the resulting hemorrhage may cause rapid death to your patient. Studies show that the most penetrating injuries to the abdominal areas are because of gunshot wounds. Because of the prevalence of blood-filled organs like the spleen and liver, these are always considered life-threatening. Often, surgery is required to explore and determine how serious these wounds really are. If a patient is shot at very close range, you may be able to see evidence of blowback or gases that result as the bullet leaves the barrel and makes an entrance wound. The area around the entrance would be often raised as the bullet causes this expansion of tissue as it enters the body. 
Entrance wounds are usually limited to the size and profile of the projectile, usually being much smaller than an exit wound. Exit wounds are formed by the physical damage of the bullet, as well as the resulting cavitation caused by the pressure wave that precedes the projectile. Keep in mind that exit wounds may give an accurate representation of the amount of trauma internally. Also keep in mind that the path traveled may not be in a direct line from the entrance wound. If it makes contact with bone, the path will often travel and the bullet will tumble, taking multiple different routes. In your scene size up, as you're making a hands-on patient assessment, multitask while you're searching the patient for any additional weapons that they may have hidden on them. Never feel that you can't ask for law enforcement to help you with this process. Quickly try to reestablish the event in your mind as you assess the patient. If possible, get the length of the blade or the caliber and type of weapon used in the incident. Do your best to preserve the crime scene if it won't interfere with patient care. Do not cut through bullet or knife holes in clothing. If you must move something, make a note of it in your patient care report, but do not try to replace it back in its original position. Be aware of your steps into and out of the scene. Stepping in blood may make the investigation much more difficult. Thanks again for listening to today's podcast. If you found this helpful, make sure you share it with somebody. Thanks again.